Chapter Twenty Eight of Virgin Soil, Volume Two by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. First they clasped each other's hands again. Then Mariana cried, "Come, I'll help you arrange your room," and she began unpacking his things from the trunk and the bag. Nestanov would have helped her, but she declared she was going to do it all alone. Because I must get used to making myself useful. And she did, in fact, hang up his coat on nails which she found in the table drawer, and knocked into the wall, unaided, with the back of a brush for want of a hammer. The linen she laid in a little old chest which stood between the windows. What's this? she asked suddenly. A revolver. Is it loaded? What do you want with it? It's not loaded, but give it here, though. You ask what I want with it? How is one to get on without a revolver in our calling? She laughed and went on with her task, shaking out each thing separately and beating it with her hand. She even set two pairs of boots under the sofa. While the few books, a bundle of papers, and the little manuscript book of verses she arranged in triumph on a three-legged corner table, saying it was to be the writing and work table, while the other round table she called the dinner and tea table. Then, taking the book of verses in both hands, she raised it to a level with her face, and looking over its edge at Neshtanov, she said with a smile, We'll read all this through together sometime when we're not busy, won't we? Eh? Give me that book. I'll burn it, cried Neshtanov. It's worth nothing better. Why did you bring it with you, if so? No, no, I'm not going to give it you to be burnt. Though they say authors always make that threat, but they never do burn their things. But anyway, I'd better carry it off. Nestanov tried to protest, but Mariana ran into the next room with the manuscript book and returned without it. She sat down close to Nestanov and instantly got up again. You haven't been in my room yet. Would you like to see it? It's as nice as yours. Come, I'll show you. Nestanov got up too and followed Mariana. Her room, as she called it, was a little smaller than his room, but the furniture in it seemed rather newer and cleaner. In the window stood a glass vase of flowers, and in the corner a little iron bedstead. "'See how sweet of Solomine!' cried Mariana. "'Only one mustn't let oneself be too much spoilt. We shan't often meet with such quarters. And what I think is, what would be nice would be to arrange things so that whatever place we have to go we could both go together, without parting. It will be difficult,' she added after a short pause. "'Well, we'll think of it. Anyway, I suppose you won't go back to Petersburg.' What should I do in Petersburg? Go to the university and give lessons? That would be of no use now. We'll see what Solomon says, observed Mariana. He'll best decide how and what to do. They went back to the first room and again sat down beside each other. They spoke with praise of Solomon, Tatiana and Pavel. They mentioned Sipyagin and said how their old life seemed suddenly so far away from them. It seemed lost in a cloud. Then they pressed each other's hands again and exchanged glances of delight. Then they talked of what sort of people they ought to try to do propaganda among, and how they must behave not to be suspected. Nishtanov maintained that the less they thought about that, the more simply they behaved, the better. Of course, cried Mariana, why we want to be simplified, as Tatiana says. I didn't mean in that sense, Nishtanov was beginning. I meant to say that we ought not to be constrained. Suddenly Mariana laughed. I remembered, Alyosha, how I called us both simplified creatures. Nishtanov smiled too, repeated simplified, and then sank into thought. Mariana too was thoughtful. Alyosha, she said. What? 
I think we both feel a little awkward. Young people, de nouveau mariés, she explained, the first day of their honeymoon must feel something of the sort. They are happy, they are very content, and a little awkward. Nishtanov smiled, a forced smile. You know very well, Mariana, that we are not a young couple in that sense. Mariana got up and stood directly facing Nishtanov. That depends on you. How? Alyosha, you know that when you tell me as an honest man, and I shall believe you, for you really are an honest man, when you tell me that you love me with that love, well, that love that gives one a right to another person's life, when you tell me that, I am yours. Neshtanov blushed and turned a little away. When I tell you that. Yes, then. But you see yourself, you do not tell me so now. Oh yes, Alyosha, you certainly are an honest man. There, let us talk of matters of more importance. But you know I love you, Mariana. I don't doubt that, and I shall wait. There, I've not quite put your writing table to rights yet. Here's something still wrapped up, something stiff. Nishtanov jumped up from his chair. Let that be, Mariana. Please, leave that alone. Mariana turned her head over her shoulder to look at him and raised her eyebrows in amazement. Is it a mystery? A secret? You have a secret? Yes, yes, said Nishtanov, and greatly disconcerted, he added by way of explanation. It's a portrait. This word fell from him unconsciously. In the paper Mariana held in her hands, there was wrapped up in reality her portrait, given to Nishtanov by Markelov. A portrait, she articulated, dwelling on each syllable. A woman's? She gave him the little parcel, but he took it awkwardly. It almost slipped out of his hands and fell open. Why, it's my portrait, cried Mariana quickly. Well, I have a right to take my own portrait. She took it from Neshtanov. Did you sketch this? No, not I. Who then? Markelov? You've guessed. It was he. How did you come by it? He gave it me. When? Neshtanov told her how and when it had been given. Whilst he was speaking, Mariana glanced first at him and then at the portrait, and the same thought flashed through the heads of both. If he were in this room, he would have the right to ask. But neither Mariana nor Neshtanov uttered this thought aloud, possibly because each of them was conscious of the thought in the other. Mariana softly wrapped the portrait in the paper again and laid it on the table. He's a good man, she murmured. Where is he now? Where? At home. I'm going to see him tomorrow or next day to get books and pamphlets. He meant to give them to me, but I suppose he forgot it when I was leaving. And do you think, Alyosha, that in giving you the portrait he renounced everything? Absolutely everything? I thought so. And you hope to find him at home? Of course. Ah. Mariana lowered her eyes and dropped her hands. And here's Tatiana bringing us our dinner, she cried suddenly. What a splendid woman she is! Tatiana appeared with knives and forks, table napkins and plates and dishes. While she was laying the table, she told them what had been passing in the factory. The master came from Moscow by rail, and he set to running from floor to floor like one possessed. To be sure, he knows nothing about things. He only does like that for show, to keep up appearances. But Vasily Fedotich treats him like a babe in arms. The master thought he'd say something nasty to him, so Vasily Fedotich suppressed him at once. I'll throw it all up directly, says he, 
so our gentleman pretty soon changed his tune now they're dining together and the master brought a companion with him and he does naught else but admire everything and a moneyed man he must be this companion to judge from the way he holds his tongue and shakes his head and he's stout too very stout a regular moscow swell ah it's a true saying it's downhill to moscow from all parts of russia everything rolls down to her how you do notice everything cried mariana yes i'm pretty observant replied tatiana come your dinner's ready and may it do you good i'll sit here a little bit and watch you mariana and neshtanov sat down to dinner tatiana leaned against the window-sill and rested her cheek in her hand i watch you she repeated and what poor young tender things you both are it's so pleasant to see you that it quite makes my heart ache ah my dears you're taking up a burden beyond your strength it's such as you that the inspectors of the tsar are ever eager to clap in custody nonsense my good soul don't frighten us observed neshtanov you know the saying if you choose to be a mushroom you must go in the basket with the rest i know i know but the baskets nowadays are so narrow and hard to creep out of have you any children mariana asked to change the conversation yes a son he begins to go to school i had a little girl too but she's no more poor darling she met with an accident fell under a wheel and if only it had killed her at once but no she lingered in suffering a long while since then i've grown tender-hearted before then i was as hard as a tree why what of your man pavel yegorich didn't you love him eh that was a different matter the feeling of a girl and how about you now do you love your man yes very much yes yes tatiana looked at neshtanov then at mariana and said no more it was again mariana's lot to change the conversation she told tatiana she had given up smoking the latter approved of her resolution then mariana asked her again about clothes and reminded her she had promised to show her how to cook oh and one thing more could you get me some stout coarse yarn i'm going to knit myself some stockings plain ones tatiana answered that everything should be done in due course and clearing the table she went out of the room with her calm resolute gait well what shall we do now mariana said turning to neshtanov and without letting him answer what do you say since our real work only begins tomorrow shall we devote this evening to literature let's read your poems i shall be a severe critic for a long while neshtanov would not consent he ended however by giving in and began to read out of his manuscript book mariana sat close beside him and watched his face while he was reading she had spoken truly she turned out to be a severe critic few of the verses pleased her she preferred the purely lyrical short ones that were as she expressed it non-didactic neshtanov did not read quite well he had not the courage to attempt elocution and at the same time was unwilling to fall into quite a colourless tone the result was neither one thing nor the other mariana suddenly interrupted him with the question did he know of a wonderful poem of dobrolyubov's beginning let me die small cause for grief and thereupon read it to him also not very well in a rather childish manner and let me die small cause for grief one thought alone frets my sick mind that death may chance to play an unkind jest with me i dread lest over my cold corpse the scalding tears should flow and lest some one with stupid zeal lay flowers upon my bier 
lest flocking round in unfeigned grief my friends walk after it to the grave lest as i lie under the earth i may become one loved and prized lest all so eagerly desired and so in vain by me in life may smile on me consolingly above the stone that marks my grave Nishtanov observed that it was bitter and painful to the last degree and then added that he Nishtanov, could never have written such a poem because he had no reason to be afraid of tears over his grave there would be none there will be if i outlive you mariana articulated slowly and raising her eyes to the ceiling after a brief silence in an undertone as though speaking to herself she queried however did he draw a portrait of me from memory Nishtanov turned quickly to her yes from memory mariana was amazed at his answering it seemed to her that she had merely thought the question it is astonishing she went on in the same subdued voice why he has no talent for drawing what was i going to say she resumed aloud oh about dobrolyubov's poem one ought to write poems like pushkin's or such as that one of dobrolyubov's this is not poetry though it's something as good and poems like mine said nishtanov ought not to be written at all eh poems like yours please your friends not because they are very fine but because you are a fine person and they are like you nishtanov smiled you have buried them and me with them mariana gave him a slap on his hand and told him he was too bad soon after she announced that she was tired and was going to bed by the way do you know she added shaking her short thick curls i've got one hundred and thirty-seven roubles what have you ninety-eight oh but we're rich for simplified creatures well good-bye till tomorrow she went out but a few instants later her door was slightly opened and through the narrow crack he heard first good-bye then more softly good-bye and the key clicked in the lock Nishtanov sank onto the sofa and covered his eyes with his hand. Then he got up quickly, went up to the door, and knocked. What is it? came from within. Not till tomorrow, Mariana, but tomorrow. Tomorrow, responded a gentle voice. End of chapter twenty eight.